0: Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Over the past three months, we've been reading through the book of Exodus, and today we're at the end. Um, But before we go over this last chapter in this book. I I want to recap what the book was about. This book is about God rescuing a people from slavery and transforming them from an extended family of freed slaves into a people chosen to live with and to reflect the glory of God for his redemptive purposes. God rescued the Israelites from Egypt. He took them out of slavery. He rescued them from Pharaoh's army. And God led them through the desert and he established a covenant with them um, as his people, God gave them instructions on how to reflect his character on the world. And he taught them to build a structure that would embody and reflect the new way he would interact with them. And so the people built a tabernacle and, and sewed priestly garments and received instructions on keeping the Sabbath to demonstrate this new order of creation where God would dwell, not outside the camp or up on the mountain, but with his people. And God did this through his prophet Moses. Um, Now there's this little part I want to kind of shoot back to uh, because it's gonna come more into play. Um, Moses had this tent set up outside a camp and whenever he wanted to ask God a question, whoever wanted to ask God a question, they'd go there and they'd ask Moses the question and then Moses would go inside the tent and he'd ask God. And whenever he was there and in there with God, God, a cloud would hover above the tent, so everyone could see that, hey, Moses is with God. And that tent was only for Moses, and, and apparently Joshua his aide. And then uh, Moses would talk with God, and God would tell Moses things, and then Moses would go into the camp and tell people what God said, and, uh, and Joshua would stay inside of his tent. Um, actually, I want to look at that verse for just a moment, because it was pointed out to me last week, um, oh, oh, by Marcy Bell. And, uh, and she was disappointed I didn't talk about it last week. So I'm talking about it a little bit this week. Um, so this is Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now, Moses would speak to God directly like with a friend. And I'm assuming the face-to-face bit is a figurative language, because a few verses down it says that God tells Moses that he can't see God's face um, and live. But while Moses is off dealing with the people, Joshua got to stay in the presence of the Lord. And if you know anything about Joshua, um, he becomes the leader of the Israelites after Moses. And he takes the Israelites into the promised land, and he leads them. through some horrific battles and brutal slaughters. And he had to drive out the people living in the land, and it was not work for the faint of heart. And I'm sure that his faith was tested. Um, and, and what better training was there for this young man than to sit in the tent with the presence of the Lord? Right? What better way to train to hear God's voice? What better way to bring your burdens before the Lord than to actually uh, sit in the Lord's presence? So Marcy brought that to my attention. I thought that was very insightful and actually appropriate for today. So uh, I wanted to share that. Um, the tent where Moses would meet with God outside of the camp was called the tent of the meeting, right? Because it's where he met with the Lord. But as you read the instructions of the tabernacle, uh, there's a tent, so there's the tabernacle, and then there's a tent inside of the tabernacle. Um, And that starts to be called the tent of the meeting because God would no longer be met outside of the camp with his people. God would be in the midst of his people, right? Right? That's where he could be found, not on the mountainside, not in the wilderness, but with his people. Now, I'm going to read chapter 40, uh, the whole thing, um, because it's the last chapter of this book. And it's also just the beginning of a deeper, richer story for God's people. So it's going to take a moment. But let's read chapter 40 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of the meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the Ark of the Covenant Law in it, and shield the Ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set up what belongs on them. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant of Law, and put the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance of the tabernacle, the tent of the meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put the water in it. Set up the courtyard around it, and put the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all of its furnishing, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offerings and all of its utensils. Consecrate the altar, and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in sacred garments. Anoint him and consecrate him so that he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father, so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up in the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark and put the atonement cover over it. And then he brought the ark inside the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtains and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table of meeting, sorry, the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside of the curtain. And set out the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. And he placed the lampstand in the tent of the meeting opposite the table in the south of the tabernacle. And he set up the lamps before the Lord as, as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of the meeting in front of the curtain. And he burnt fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. And then he put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. And he set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it birth offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and the Aaron used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar, and put up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. And so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. All right. That was a long bit. But um, Moses' personal tent of the meeting was a distance outside of the camp. And people would go outside of the community. They'd go outside of the community to ask Moses to inquire of God. And people could see the pillar of cloud descend upon the tent. And they would be comforted, knowing that God was there, just outside of the camp. And then Moses, he took them to Mount Sinai. And the people could see the cloud covering the mountain. And, And Moses went out, and he climbed the mountains, and he received revelation from God. And then he brought the words of God back down to the people. There was always space. There's always distance, right, in those situations between God and his people. And Moses' job was kind of to traverse that space, to, to go back and forth between those spaces. And and this is kind of typical for the ancient world. Many cultures uh, ha, had special locations where they thought the gods lived, and where people would go out to receive wisdom, right? They'd make a pilgrimage to go see an oracle, or to receive a vision from the gods, right? They. They'd make pilgrimages to see, see God in their homes. You know, you think about like Mount Olympus or the oracles of Delphi or a number of ancient oracles all around um, the world and many different cultures. But here, God moves into the middle of the community. God comes down to where the people are. His glory is no longer found on the mountaintop or a tent outside an encampment, but in the middle of the community. And of course, that changes things. Because before, Moses would go into the tent to speak God face-to-face to face his friends. But now God's presence was in the temple in a real way, right? And, and God doesn't hold back. He fills the temple with his presence. And for all his closeness with God, Moses had never been in the full presence of God. In fact, in uh, Exodus 33, God told Moses that to see his face was death. Right? And God protected Moses from seeing him, even though you know Moses asked to see him, God protected him from seeing him, only letting Moses get a little glimpse of his back. as close as Moses was to God and as personal as his relationship with God, God was now more fully present in the middle of all of his people, right He was more fully present he was he was he was more real there than in the places where Moses went to go see him. And that's there with his people in the middle of a desert, in the middle of the wilderness. God was with the Israelites. Uh, we've been reading through 40 chapters of this book. And this is still the start of their journey. Um, so they still have, this is only one year, actually, into their journey. They still have 30 more, nine, 39 more more years to wander around. Um, and then they're going to be lost. And, and they'll still be journeying this way and that way, being led by God, knowing that their inheritance lies ahead but not knowing when they'll be able to reach it. And eventually realizing that they will not even go to that promised land themselves, but their children would. But during all that wandering time, God is with them. The tabernacle is with them. God is in the midst of his people. Their journey with God as his people is really just beginning. And this is why I felt led to share this book with you guys. Our journey with God is still just the beginning. Through the power of the cross, we've been set free from the power of death, but we're still in the beginnings of our story. All right? Even those of us that have lived some years, we're still in the beginning of our story. Eternity is long. Um, and through the power of the cross, we've been set free from death. But we're still in the beginning of our story. We're still journeying through the wilderness of our lives. And there's still dangers, and there are still heartaches, But the Lord is with us. Sure, we do not have a cloud to follow during the day or a pillar of fire during the night, but we have something better. I want to read this little bit from Hebrews, chapter three, verses one through six. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus had been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house of itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Moses is God's prophet, right? who God uses to bring freedom to the Israelites. Moses prepares his people, and he leads them. He forms them into a holy people with God in their midst, where God leads the people. But Jesus goes further than that. He transforms God's people into God's temple, the place where God lives. God is not just in our midst, but God is in our lives. God is our lives. The old self is driven out. It cannot stand the glory of the Lord and live. That's why we say the old self is dead. Um, One of the sacraments of our faith is baptism. Okay, Uh, a sacrament's a visible expression, a demonstrative sign, an outworking of God's grace. And most Protestant churches uh, recognize two sacraments. The Eucharist, and that's communion, we do that this on Sundays. And baptism, and, and the when and how baptisms, so that's a whole other topic. But I want to talk a little bit about what baptism is. We say baptism is a burial. It's the death of who we were. It's the death of the old person who cannot bear to be in the presence of God. Our old self is a hostage of sin and death, and it's been crucified through the power of Jesus' death on the cross, right? our baptism identifies us with Jesus in baptism our old self is recognized as dead and buried with Christ right so it goes under the water and the new self spiritually cleansed and consecrated and consecrated just means dedicated to God it's brought up out of the water just as Jesus was raised from the dead and that's why i read this whole chapter because all that stuff might have been, seemed tedious about going through everything and anointing it and setting it up and consecrating it, you know, consecrating the tabernacle, the priest, and all those things within it and setting it all right. But all that stuff, that, all that stuff, all that tediousness, that's what happens to us in baptism. Through baptism, we've been cleansed, consecrated, and dedicated for the Lord. You are God's temple. Not just you, singular, but y'all. Altogether, Matthew 18, For two or three are gathered in my name. There I am with them. And right now, we are God's temple, right? First Corinthians uh, 3, 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within your midst? Church, I know it is wilderness out there. It is wilderness out there. Shoot, I know, I know that it's wilderness in here. <laughs> but as we travel through the wilderness... We are carrying the spirit of the Lord within us. Who should we be afraid? How should we be afraid? Why should we be afraid? We live in an anxious time. And we've become a depressed and fearful people. And I don't say this to condemn the suffering, You know, for those that suffer from mental health. I, I, I take medication for anxiety and depression, and I, I've seen counselors um, myself. But I worry sometimes that we, we try to medicate and therapize our way um, we try to therapize and medicate our way out of symptoms without recognizing a spiritual aspect as well. We've forgotten that we are a temple, right? We are that we, um, not just me and not just you, but but us, we're a dwelling place for the Most High God. And God dwells and lives within us, right? We are made for that. We are made to be a place where God dwells. and. And as we move through the world, right, we should be an outpouring, right, of God's spirit. And we need to treat ourselves like that. We need to remember that the Lord is our life and we must guard ourselves, right? We must guard this temple from the idols of our age, right? Our individualism, our politics, our consumer choices, our occupations, our recreations, everything in this world that tries to claim our identity and heart, all of it, it has no place in the temple of the Lord. Which is us, so we need to remember that we are temples of the Lord, and we need to renew ourselves to His service. Right? What is, what is a temple for? A temple is for worship. It's for bringing our concerns. It's for intervening. It's for um, for for bringing our sacrifices to God. It's for bringing our burdens to God. It's for intervening and standing in the gap to pray for for God to do things that we can't do it ourselves, right? We need to treat ourselves like that. God wants to use us. God is using us to transform our community, right? To do the work um, in our community, to demonstrate his goodness, to demonstrate his kingdom power. That's why we've been reading Exodus, right? Just to get to this point. Okay, all that stuff, all the tabernacle, all those things that this was all leading up to, is made in completeness through Jesus Christ and what he's doing in your heart right now. Let us remember that. Let us cast aside our old selves. All right? Let, Let us not be hostage to all those things, all those burdens, right? All those idols of this world. Okay? Remember, idols are things that steal away our worship, that steal away our focus. That's actually one of the things that it says over and over again in the, in the New Testament. Guard yourselves from idols. Guard yourself from idols. Um, I don't think they're just talking about little golden statues. <laughs> okay. They're talking about all those things in life that seem so important. All right. Let's pray. Holy Father. You have rescued us. You have redeemed us, Lord. Lord, teach us to be your disciples. Teach us to follow you, to live as your holy temple. Teach us to live in unity with one another, to work together, to be your hands and feet in this community, Lord. Lord, teach us to intercede for our brothers and our sisters who don't know you. Teach us to to pray and to work for the good of our neighbor. Teach us to demonstrate your goodness, your love, your compassion, and your redemptive purposes in this world. That you're not willing for people to perish. You don't want people to perish. You want to rescue. You want to save. And may, may we follow that charge. Because you are a God who saves, as you did with the Israelites. So you're doing to the anchorites, and the Alaskanites, and all of us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.